Hey everybody, Mark Ahrensberg here with The Pure Now Show. This is episode number 18. My guest today is Olivia Chung. Olivia is a producer and content creator with an effervescent personality and a perpetual smile on her face, doing all kinds of community building work through public art projects while working with top creative professionals, producing work at the highest level. Here we go. Hey, Liv. Hi. How you going, Mark? It's all good, Liv. So nice to have you on the Pure Now Show. Really appreciate you uh, taking some time to chat with me and, and talk about you and all the very cool stuff you do. Yeah, I mean, cool is subjective, but I can definitely say they're fun for me and hopefully people involved. Um, but yeah, excited to chat with you about it. Yeah, I don't know how subjective it is. I've, I've looked at your work and uh, it's cool. Uh, there's no question the projects that you have are unilaterally super high quality. You can tell that you've had the great pleasure to work with very talented directors and DPs and writers and artists and all kinds of really fantastic people. So it must be a pleasure to do what you do when you have the opportunity to work with such fantastic people. Oh yeah, I think the joys of being a freelance creative producer it means I get to go into so many different worlds. And yeah, I'm kind of a bit of a free spirit, so I sort of let my intuition guide me, as well as just looking at what's relevant in the world and what's needed right now. So I sort of let that dictate the projects that I get involved with as a producer. So um, yeah, I've been involved in high-end TV, commercials, film features to sort of low budget end, but just really impactful stories from independent filmmakers on the film side. And then I've got my other side, hustles and, you know, I'm just doing lots of random things really, just sort of getting the most out of life. I think the main drive and interest is just people's stories, I think the human connection and soul and people's journeys I think I'm the most interested in and so how to express that and share that story in a creative way is what I what I, I guess what I'm here to do. Well it, it's a thread through everything that you've produced, it's a narrative all the way through, even the TVCs have an interesting narrative, nothing is predictable, it's all interesting and um, the last thing I watched was the Movember, the mustache painter dudes. And uh, yeah. you know what? I'm a, I'm a huge fan of comedy and I think a harsh critic of comedy, frankly. And uh, that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It's really a brilliantly acted, produced, art directed, you name it, every aspect, the writing is really fantastic. I mean, even the campaign, of course, there's, <laughs> it's a juxtaposition of beside, not behind. There's such strong messaging even if it's funny, there's strong messaging in all your pieces and you can feel your passion come through that, that again, you're working with talented people and you obviously attract that. It's part of your personality and who you are. And, you know, we gravitate towards, you know, like-minded people and people that are interested in accomplishing maybe similar goals in different ways. And again, I see that as a thread through your work and it was super fun to go through all your stuff. Thank you. Um, I feel really flattered that you've gone through all my work. And it's really interesting because I think as a producer, I'm, I'm there to support a lot of other creative visions, but as well being creative myself. But it's nice when you sort of put all your work out there and have someone with just fresh eyes look on it and see a theme, the passion and social advocacy that is really important in the work that I choose to be a part of. It's nice that it, it shows because um, that is definitely something that I align myself with and definitely try to, especially having done the hard yards, working up in production, um, but now sort of at a stage where I can have a choice to choose the projects that I'm working on. So yeah, I feel really privileged to be where I'm at now. There's nothing better than working with people who are incredibly talented and to usher that to be that uh, facilitator to bring it all together to help people get their vision out there and, and get things made. And you know, that's not an easy task to assemble all the pieces and keep everybody happy and, and make sure everybody has what they need, want, and, uh, and that the end result is, is good for everybody and not just everybody in the project, but those who are going to experience that experience in some way. The world is pretty challenging right now. Not that it hasn't always been, but it's exceptionally challenging now. And it's great to make these statements, uh, these necessary 
conveyances of messages about not tolerance but appreciation i mean we we're mm. beyond tall we can't tolerate anymore that's yeah. that's that's weak we, yeah. we must mutually appreciate and yeah. enjoy this diversity and take advantage of the opportunity that we all bring to the table and i see that a lot of your work is bringing that messaging out how did you end up one getting into producing you grew up in australia correct yeah you've got the trifecta you're chinese <laughs> living in australia you're a woman all yeah. these interesting components to who you are which can be very challenging i would imagine i mean i'm not really familiar with the uh, australian culture but uh, the fact that you have all these diverse aspects to you as just a human being and then being in a male dominated industry to begin with and then you know just a male dominated world and that you've carved your way through working hard and and showing what you can do and then to produce these pieces that are very conscious minded and uh give me an idea of you know your your path how that started as a young person that uh, you know puts you on this high-minded path to uh, getting involved with making the world a better place oh wow that is a big life question <laughs> i love it mark straight in um how to sum it up i say in in a few minutes um you could take all the minutes you want man i know this is that's a big question and and your path started i'm sure early so yeah um Wow, you know how your life flashes past you and you're just like, where do I start? I guess for me, yeah, it's interesting what you mentioned about the trifecta. I guess I didn't, did I realize it was going to be a hard path going um, in front, you know, heading into advertising and media and being, like you said, a woman of color. To be honest, like this, the, these terms are sort of just, I think, much more spoken now in the current climate. But when I was growing up, not really. I think I understood that I lived in many worlds um, and I never fitted in one world, um, you could say. Um, growing up in Australia, growing up in, um, you know, in a pretty Caucasian surrounding, Western surrounding, but then going home to a very, you know, Chinese family with Chinese culture and, and, and values. And, you know, my parents instilling in me, you know, like how many Asian faces do you see on television? None, you know, and that's how I ended up working in Asia for about seven years. I worked in Hong Kong, Japan, China, Singapore and all over. But um, that was in my 20s. So I'm going to go back and forth, but that's kind of my life. It's not very chronological. It's a bit everywhere. But I think I just saw it as you know, one of these typical globalized third culture kids where I could sort of have my foot in every door, but never be maybe fully in one door. But I think um, it allowed me to sort of step into these communities and never really come across as a threat. And I guess, I don't know, I, I, I could think about how people perceive me, but I was just sort of wandering in and out of these worlds as a curious being and, and, and always curious about these cultures and these communities that I was stepping into the world to and really respectful of where they've come from and then trying to find my place in it. So I think that's always been a guiding thing for me, even in my career. And yeah, I think I grew roots in my high school. Everyone's had different um, high school formative um, experiences, but um, in this particular high school, leadership and participation was a really big thing. I did have a choice to go to a selective school, which was probably predominantly Asian, of Asian culture. And um, I had like two weeks, I remember I was in year nine and I was like trying to decide and there was the academic path. Not that my current school wasn't, um, or I could stay in this school where they really pride themselves of being a part of the community, being a part of all these different initiatives and so, I don't know, I was kind of torn, but I ended up choosing to stay with my current school. And it was there I sort of flourished and kind of became a school captain. And in particular, I was like school captain of the arts. And so I was responsible for the music and for the visual arts and just ran a whole lot of things. I remember going to school and I was like rapping this speech. Like I just, I just burst into my school principal's office and I was rapping about like the arts festival that was coming up and getting people involved. I was graffitiing the school. So I think a lot of these things started from, yeah, quite a young age in my teenage years. At the same time, 
I had my eyes set on New York and I thought, okay, I, I was really passionate about acting. Um, I wanted to get, you know, over to New York and to LA. But then I remember at 16, I watched a documentary on child soldiers in Uganda. It was called Invisible Children. And I broke down. It really affected me as a young teen, just, just I guess, you know, you're born in Australia in an affluent country. And so realizing the inequalities of, of the world. And I was like, I just can't just go to, you know, Hollywood and pursue my own dreams. Like there's, there's people suffering. And so I ended up joining a youth aid organization. And it was the first youth run organization in Australia called Oak Tree Foundation. It was started by just a bunch of teens. Whoever started it, he actually runs the Global Poverty Project in New York, which brings a lot of celebrities and they have these big advocacy aid concerts now. Um, it's quite big, but Hugh had started this youth aid organization and asked me to join. And it was kind of a mixture of these things like school and doing arts, but also volunteering. And I volunteered for about five, six years and it was there I sort of met my tribe and young people who really cared about making a difference. But also I think what was important for me was also having fun and being part of life. And so a lot of these strong rooted values, which I still carry with me today as a producer in my work, as a human being, I think stemmed from a lot of those experiences in my formative teen years, I ended up from that organisation, organising an um, uh, anti-poverty concert where Bono, U2, they all came, all of Australia's big artists came. And I think just as a youth-run small organisation, we had this like 20, 30,000 people at this concert in 2006. And yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing to be part of, um, yeah, people who really believed in a vision, being part of a tribe. And I think that has always given me the drive to seek, I guess, these projects that have something that's bigger than just yourself. And that's also in the work that you've, yeah, that I've produced as well. I ended up a couple of years in South Africa. I was volunteering the townships. That was one chapter of my life. Came back. Parents are like, yeah, how many Asian faces do you see in television? Like, you know, how much money have you wasted away, like volunteering? Why don't you go over to Asia and like try, you know, get into your career and get some work experience? And I went to Hong Kong and I ended up um, working there and starting my career off as a production coordinator and then ended up being a, a, a film fixer, um, you know, bumped into a New York crew that was doing this big Starbucks ad and like, can you find 20 monks drinking Starbucks, you know, in a jet I was like, I actually just met somebody. And so um, I it combined my love for travel and meeting people, finding new locations. So it kind of naturally came to me that producing role, just, you know, just that open heartedness and just like getting things done. And that's how I fell into, I guess, production and film. So I spent four years there, came back, went to Singapore. That's when I met Hi Hi as well and, and was at Chimney. I did do a little stint in Germany as well. So I've kind of had a very international broad experience doing lots of things and been a producer for about 12, 13 years now. And then, yeah, in the last couple of years in lockdown, especially in Melbourne, the most lockdown city <laughs> in the world, I managed to tap into my own voice again, um, creative voice. I think for a long time, supporting a lot of directors, a lot of artists, and being really passionate about their work, I've sort of put my own creative voice aside. But when everything shut down, I was able to tap into it again and just listen in on that soft spoken voice that is just gentle, I think, in all of us and whether we, whether we listen to it or not. And despite being in lockdown, I was able to, yeah, like ha have a lot of um, hope and ideas for my community, even within my 5K zone. So I started this neighborhood group and ran all these community arts initiatives just to keep people's spirits up in these really trying times. So yeah, that was, that's been the last year in a very, very overview shell, but yeah, a lot of beautiful things have come out of it. And I'm really grateful for, I mean, despite the terrible time we've all had um, in, and different experiences, it's highlighted, I think, a lot of things in our society and as well within like myself personally. So I think it's a really good shift for change. And yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm really open to what's coming next, but uh, unlike maybe other creatives, I haven't got a particular like, you know, very direct like ambition or goal, let's say. I'm really open to what the world is transforming and becoming and, 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 and questioning myself along with it. And what do I need to be to become who I need to be in the world? And then answering that. So yeah, that's a little bit about my journey. Well, you're truly a receiver, man, because only receivers can give as much as you do. I mean, you've opted to just be available. And uh, that's really a, a critical point to be able to then 
redistribute whatever it is that you've become available for and uh, I could see like you're having a lot of fun you know <laughs> yeah. I want to go to Platypus Alley and and uh, <laughs> I love I love uh, that that art project that you're working on uh, with the government uh, assistance and uh, you've got a podcast that you're just starting with your partner yeah. I, yeah. I listen to the trailer you're just having a good time man <laughs> yeah and 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 more power to you because the more obviously that you do the more impact and effect you have on others. So it's almost critical to not just your survival and happiness, but to others. And I would imagine that during this pandemic, which of course has created immense opportunity. I mean, tragedy is in the eyes of the beholder, just like beauty. So if it wasn't for that, you, you might not have been forced into this position of looking back at yourself and figuring out what kind of personal contribution that you want to make. You're listening to The Pure Now Show, a creative podcast for creatives presented by Balance. So that's interesting that you've put some of these other things on hold for now after investing, you know, a dozen years into that. And now you're, you know, you're kind of uh, refilling with energy and, uh, and, and doing it a little differently. Can you talk about some of these new projects going on right now? Yeah, um, sure. So yeah, the podcast uh, you were sharing about, so I just won a grant um, and it's to do this podcast called Half Ties. It's part of Multicultural Arts Victoria. And it's basically an idea that came out from a, I'll say conversation or maybe an argument that my partner and I had. He's a composer. We met in London and a musician and he's half Finnish, half Ghanaian and obviously me being Australian Chinese and we always sort of talk about the things that we love about our culture and what we don't like about our culture and each other's cultures and whatnot. Then there's this prospect of future and potentially having kids and what are they going to be like? Are they going to be so mixed up? What a mixed bag. And so what things are we going to teach them? And so it's quite interesting once you put yourself in that sort of parent headspace. I don't know if you have, you have kids, Mark, but um, I yeah, do. Yes. Oh, <laughs> there you go. I can probably learn a thing or two from you, um, let alone, you know, mixed culture parents. And I'm like, why don't we speak to other people who've been doing this for way longer? So yeah, that was the idea. We did a little trailer and I just recently got a grant for it. So that that's in the works for next year. But I think it's yeah, it's fascinating. I think it's a great way to learn about other cultures. You know, we're in such a mixed melting pot in the world and especially in Australia. But, you know, we, I think unless you have human interaction and a relationship with these people, it's sort of like you, you only know from what you read from the news or whatnot. So I think it's a chance for anybody to really engage with yeah somebody from a different culture and also learn from people who've been doing it for such a long time so that's the podcast so i'll let you know how that goes and then yeah what, what, what i've got a few things on the on on the go um there is th this council project that i yeah you were you touched on flash forward so i stepped out of film tv to work on this council project it's a um, public art and music program but we're basically reactivating the city with street art and music gigs because Melbourne's been shut down for a long time. It's also to, yeah, give money back to the arts, which has suffered so much in the last couple of years, and especially Melbourne being a big, you know, arts and culture hub. So, yeah, it's giving work to creatives. It's bringing people back into the city. It's helping people engage with art. And I think that is an interesting area that I am personally exploring right now in my life how to engage the public with art and um, especially now as you know we consume so much as consumers and uh, yeah like watching telly and, and film like online in this lockdown but I think sometimes art can be quite elitist and especially for the common person not the common person just like you know people um, oh, I'm not creative like I can't do art or you know I don't really understand this is it's like as artists who've been doing it for a long time as practitioners how do we make it more accessible and I think that's what this program is also about it's about giving back to the city it's about talking about these really important issues of our time but making it accessible and that's what art is and so yeah I feel really privileged to sort of step out of my film producing into this public art producing it's something that I'm bringing in my own little neighborhood um, I started a neighborhood group in my um, Waxman uh, it's called the Waxman lockdown group and about 150 houses in my neighborhood have joined since we had this 5k restriction and yeah I've just been running amok like my mom's always like 
who are you bothering now? Like, why are you, <laughs> whose door are you knocking on now? I'm like, mom, I'm just like sticking within the rules of the way my 5K so I'm just making friends with everybody. <laughs> so yeah, just, just little things. I think everyone has untapped, and, and this might be a bit of a buzzword, but it's true, like creative, creative potential and, and something inside them. And I see my role as to help coach that out. Um, and I'm sure you do too, too, Mark, being a supporter and initiator. So I've run into a few different things like neighborhood party. I'm doing this walking art gallery where I'm making use of the, the trees in our neighborhood. So when people are walking past, there'll be art hanging from it and getting people to engage and participate in art. And I think it's engaging in an open way to discuss the harder topics as we're seeing online are really polarizing. So that actually leads into my other thing that I'm doing called the Life Exchange. It's an online, at the moment it's online because of lockdown, but it's a conversation series. I'm inspired by things like Humans of New York, podcasts like Heavyweight, where we sort of unravel and, and, and uncover like the human psyche of, of fear and disconnect. And so I'm trying, I'm seeing a lot of polarization online um, about lots of various social topics and I'm just, the question for me in this last year or two is like, how do we bring people back together to have open discussions about things? And so this one is more of a, I guess, public performance art, I guess, in some way, but it's conversation series where I bring elements of improv, elements of coaching and facilitation and create this space where people from all walks of life, especially across generations, I think, we're all in our little silos and having our own conversations and everyone's believing the same things that we're chatting about, but what about people from the other side? And so creating this space where people can engage on big life topics and I sort of just throw out questions out there, maybe play a few games and get people to interact and engage with people that maybe they normally wouldn't in a safe space. So yeah, it's called The Life Exchange. I've actually got a session coming up this Sunday and we're talking about guilt and pleasures, our relationship with money. There's a lot of artists coming to this one who work in their practice with money and art, but there's also a lot of finance people. So I think it's really interesting bringing these types of groups of people together. So yeah, anyway, those are just a few things. Well, I think you touched on something that is maybe one of the primary conditions that is keeping us away from each other, which is, you know, there's only a few people doing the art and everybody else is a voyeur and everybody is an artist. Everybody's creative. Even though people have this cliche of saying, oh, I'm not creative. It's because they were never nurtured or shown the way or given the opportunity. How could a handful of people be the creative ones? That's not true. Yeah. And, and so human beings are starving for human expression. And yeah. because they were never given the opportunity, they suffer. And yeah. I think that's part of our major disconnection is that human yeah. beings are not equally expressing themselves in ways yeah. that they can be. I'm not yeah. gonna should, I don't like shoulding people because I'm no authority on anything, but yeah. uh, I, I definitely feel it is, it is why we, are, we judge each other, it's why we're so angry, it's because mm. we're disconnected from our form and function, our, our primary light, if you will, yeah. is just the essence of being a human being and, and how that can translate into all kinds of internal and external expression. And you've been, of course, steeped in that. That's why I appreciate the public art project that you're doing, but it really is a matter of, of I think, giving people an opportunity, no matter whom they are. Because when you're doing art, as you know, there is no time and space. None of yeah. these manufactured yeah. constructs exist anymore your mm. opinion of left or right or political correctness, all that disappears in the world of art. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's irrelevant and it's not real. Yeah. Expression is real. So yeah. high praise to you for getting involved with that and opening people's minds and their eyes and their hearts to the potential of interacting with each other in a much more conscious way, a more loving way. Because, you know, love is art, it's not fear. So yeah. uh, everything else is fear-based for some yeah. reason. So yeah. along those lines, let's talk about some of the projects that you've worked on individually because, you know, we have a lot of people who are watching the show that are, you know, fellow creative professionals in some capacity or another. And, you know, everybody's had an amazing project that they've worked on and everybody's had the incredible nightmare project that they've worked on. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, this creates contrast. So you know where you are in the situation. <laughs> it's good to have these, 
you know, the multitude of experiences so you can glean something from everything. You know, good and bad is just somebody's perception. Give me an idea of something that you worked on that was life-changing for you, that was, you know, one of these projects that was unexpected and uh, it, uh, it added some real value to your life. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is this independent public service announcement or independent ad, actually, the beside not behind one that you mentioned. I was working in an agency full time then and, you know, usual agency life, working 12, 15 hours a day, busting your guts, working for clients that you don't really believe in um, or their product and their messaging, but you just got to do it. You're a producer. That's what you do. That's what you've been hired to do. Don't give your opinion kind of thing. And yeah, it was International Women's Day. I got asked by another creative director to a producer, you know, an ad for gender equality. And um, obviously looking for a female producer, but all the, you know, creatives and writers were men, normal kind of vibe. And then when he asked me to reach out to a director, I said, well, you should definitely get a female director for this. Um, and he'd written the script and I, and he said, yeah, but are there any out there? I was like, I believe it. I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, there are. And he's like, yeah, but are they any good? And I was just so furious. I just couldn't believe he said that. And he's been around for ages. And I was just like, what are you? And so I kind of got, you know, that fire, got really angry. I don't get angry very much. I got very angry and, and kind of put a call out with my network with like just female directors and filmmakers and the freelance crew just came and just like us like there was just so much support not that I told that story and that's why but I was like we got to do something together you know as women we got to bond together especially in this industry and so I met Cassie DeColling who's become a good friend of mine and we wrote this script and it was just all heart just about yeah again taking this quote beside not behind every man is a great woman beside every woman is a great man and walking together because I wasn't about the male female divide it's about working to collaborating together to for the greater good and so yeah it was amazing we kind of came up with this script pulled all these um, amazing female crew together and some men crew uh, male crew supported as well and we kind of turned everything around just on our own in three weeks and got it done for International Women's Day. And it was funny because even getting PR and media and everything that comes with advertising, it was really hard. And I was still working full time. So we would have meetings at like 9, 10 p.m. and working throughout the night. But we were fueled by, yeah, just like this belief um, and what we were doing. And it came out and then media wanted to get onto it asking you, oh, what's the production company name? And you know, again, these things with hierarchies and labels, like who's the director, who's this, and what's the production company? I was like, no, 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 it's freelancers. It's about freelance crew, freelance people, women, men, getting together because of this message that we want to share. And so I think it was a bit awkward for them because usually, you know, agencies and production companies, they want to win awards. That's why they do these sort of freebie jobs. And it's just like, cool, they've won an award for this, you know, cause. And I was like, nope, it's Australian TV film crew coming together for this gender equality. And so it was amazing. It happened really quick, but uh, we had such a great time on the shoot. Um, everyone volunteered their time. And yeah, it was even funny because we did get some support from the agency I was working at and this and the director's production company. But even then, it was all about the awards for them or the glory. And I was like, it's not about that. And I think that actually pushed me to then quit my full time job and then go freelance. So that was the fire that was kind of life changing because I was like, I don't need to be behind a big corporation or go, you know, the highway. I can kind of do this on my own. And it gave me the courage to do that. And just amazing crew out there who are willing to support great causes and support you and believe in you and what you do. So yeah, that sort of was the fire or the Kickstarter for many other projects that I have done since then. And every single one I've been so proud of. A lot of them, which, you know, like I share with publicly, whereas previously I'd do a, like a whole bunch of productions and none of them, not none of them, but very few I would share as part of who I am because it, like you said, it's an expression of who you are. And so, yeah, I've been really, really grateful to have projects come to me, directors and, and other creatives come to me with projects because they know what I stand for. And so, yeah, these last five years have been about, you know, crafting and opening up about who it is that you are and what are you standing for? What are you trying to say in this world? You've got one opportunity, one chance. And, you know, I think it's really important to line it up with, you know, what you believe in. So yeah, that's, that's one thing, that's one small spot that I can share with you. 
Let's go the opposite oh, no. route. Oh no. You don't have to name names, but I'm sure that you've had some nightmares that you've had to deal with. And oh, yeah. uh, you still have to manage it. You still have to yeah. be a producer. You have to have some yeah. objectivity. You still have to serve people because that's what you do. That's what I do is I serve and make sure that uh, the client gets what they want and uh, yeah. that everybody's satisfied with the experience. But yeah. sometimes that is just a bumpy, terrible, horrible ride. Yeah. There are also many projects that come to mind. Um, unfortunately, I will not name any names because that's, yeah, that's the industry. They code. know who they are. You they don't have to name are. their names. Yeah, yeah, if you're listening, you know who you are. But right. um, I don't have any grudges or anything. I think they're always good learning experience. But I, but I think the key thing, rather than naming a particular project and what happened, that I have experienced on many projects is you know, the ego is always a big one. The big egos in the game. I find it, obviously, the larger the production is, and obviously the more personalities and people's own agendas come into play, that makes it really hard as a producer. I mean, that is your role to manage all of this. But um, yeah, it, it, it's tricky, especially with the discrepancy with um, people's roles and, and what they take from it. Bullying is a really big thing in our culture, um, in film, TV, in advertising, and I've seen it, I've, yeah, I've seen it all, I feel. Um, I mean, I probably haven't seen it all, but I don't want to see the rest of it. Um, but yeah, I do find it interesting, let's say, that, yeah, uh, you're, you're based in Vietnam, aren't you, Mark? Are you? Yes. Yeah. In Asian cultures, you probably know this whole like showing face, and it's interesting even in advertising and film, who gets the golden globe or the glory, um, but no one ever knows what happens behind the scenes. And that's something that I still am trying to, I guess, work out how we can be more transparent. I think we're in a time for transparency. And I, we see that in you know different industries, people are calling, but calling, not calling people out. I mean, yes, calling people out, but also calling people in for a conversation. Quite often on big ads with big budgets and whatnot, there's a lot more at stake and then people get mistreated. You know, the pressure that people are on, it's just like, it's <laughs> it's not like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? But it's kind of disrespectful, I guess, to human beings and their time and, and their, and their energy and their craft, you know? I mean, you're probably seeing it all over in Hollywood now with the, with the crew um, on strike, but I think this stuff, it just can't keep going on. It's not sustainable. It's not respectable. And I don't know, it's just not healthy. We want a healthy industry. We want a healthy, happy, thriving industry. And to do that, you've got to take care of the people and you've got to listen to the people who don't maybe have that, you know, big name that are, that are going to be going to all the awards, you know? I think you, anyway, this is obviously my personal values and, and, and what I believe, but you, you can you know a lot about a person's character and you can translate that across to a company or brand by the way they treat the people on the bottom rank and um but you know in our big corporation world you don't see that and so that was what i also was trying with beside not behind is like showing what's also behind the scenes and you can interview anybody that was on that set um, and they can tell you exactly how they feel and they all felt the same way whereas i've worked on shows where if you ask the crew and of course it's this code of silence i'm not going to say anything because i'm scared of losing my job or like you know not getting on to the next one but it's around it exists it still exists and that's probably why i these days choose to be in smaller productions or on productions where i can choose and build the crew because um, that's really important you know at the end of the day yes you're making this beautiful piece of film or sharing this message with the world but if you can't even do that within the people who are making it. I mean, that is a massive problem there. And I have a real issue with that. So, well, it's yeah. brilliant that you went freelance because it's much easier <laughs> to say no and pick and choose yeah. and not have that big engine behind you forcing you into situations that are fraught with difficulty and don't align with your, you know, your moral standards. Yeah. You're listening to The Pure Now Show, a creative podcast for creatives presented by Balance. And I'm curious too, as we started this conversation, as a woman of color, as you mentioned, what has been your experience coming up through the ranks of uh, developing your career? And how has that 
offered some opportunities and at the same time where have there been some disadvantages for you where perhaps you weren't taking as seriously as you would like to i mean you are obviously a bursting personality i mean you're just blam you're just all <laughs> light all the time which is great and we need more people that are just effervescent you got to put sunglasses on to hang out with you. <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh, but i'm wondering though as you came up through the industry what experiences you were faced with and how you managed that and and overcame a potential adversity uh, just because of your gender for that matter the adversities i feel it's so hard because you just evolve as a human being and, and you learn how to respond to things and at the end of the day you know i've had adversity and and backlash from all sorts and types of situations and people you know it's not just it's not just you know the typical white male older man i've also with women as well you know coming up i mean if i if you're yeah a young woman listening to this i mean yeah it's you can get it from women older women as well they've got a chip on their shoulder it's um it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough fight i think but i think upon reflection you know yeah you get those backlashes and for me as an enneagram type 2 and enfj what of all these personality things but like I, i'm quite um <laughs> wear my heart on my shoulder and quite receptive and can be sensitive and you know you get that messaging of you know you learn to toughen up just toughen up like stop crying stop doing this and you know i've been told by many <laughs> many seniors to do that and how, how else am I going to survive in this industry and then I look at the you know I, I, I'm looking for role models as a young person I still now in my mid-30s you know looking for role models and I think you see what's out there and, and, you, and you question yourself like do, is that the kind of person that I want to look up to or become and if it's not out there like who do you want to become and I think going internally and asking yourself if it doesn't exist out there, then as somebody who can guide you or, or, or mentor you, and I'm mentoring a few young people at the moment and they are asking the same things and they're in a totally different climate to we are, you know, having grown up in completely digital land. But um, yeah, I mean, all these experiences, I'm just constantly, it's that constant questioning yourself over and over again. Like, am I doing what's right for me and best for me at this time? And what am I learning from this situation? So regardless of whether it's in the career or in life, I think that's something that we all question. I don't think you ever get to a stage where you know it all. Like even chatting to my 71 year old dad is just like, you know, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. And I think that's a beautiful place to be. And then you're constantly learning. I didn't really answer your question, but yeah, sure. There's been challenges. There's, there's been, yeah, it's been hard of, you know, people assuming, you know, as a, you know, Asian, female you're always like the assistant or and you know you're not the producer like you know presumptions like that of course but I think you just learn to block those voices out I think that's just like that's the thing it's like you learn to discern who you want to listen to and what you want to listen to and it's hard when you're younger because you just you know you, re you, you understand that you're not experienced enough and you're trying to listen and gauge advice from everybody Sometimes you're putting your heart out there and then you're getting wrong advice or like, you know, the advice that's not good for your growth. But you learn that. You, you learn that and sometimes the hard way, sometimes the long way. But then you get these amazing people that come into your life. And I'm telling uh, and my production assistant right now, I'm like, when, you, when they come into your life, you gotta, you got to snatch onto that, you know, grab onto that opportunity. There are beautiful souls out there and, and a lot of it is intuition as well. Like who, who is going to be in your inner circle and growing you as a person and not just in your career I think I think it's really important because we often quite divide I think the career and the personal but I think it's all interwoven you know it all affects each other it's um it's immersive so I think yeah listen in on that and I yeah so I've just like been coming off a conversation with her now and I'm like you have a voice and it's okay to listen to it. You don't need sometimes, I mean, it's important to listen to those who've lived down that road, but we're also, as I said, society is growing and evolving all the time. And so trust that inner voice. And even if somebody who's 40, 60 years experience and telling you this is the way it's been done, it's okay to question it. It's okay. It's okay to also take on their, their feedback and whatnot. But then the day it's up to you and you're carving your own path. So I think it's important to be 
okay with yourself and trust yourself. So that's the advice that I am sharing with the younger generation that I'm sort of mentoring at the moment. But um, yeah, it's something that I, I'm still learning and still growing as well. We're on a bit of a trajectory here uh, as a species, as an industry. It's pretty hard at this point because we were thrown this incredible curveball and had to make some uh, massive adjustments to be able to accommodate it, which we're still not. And uh, this is just the first curveball of many to come down the road, I would imagine. Mm. But it has also set certain things into place that accelerated how we create content. Even though we were on this path prior to COVID with doing like virtual productions and, and everything being uh, digitally uh, created, now the choice was taken away essentially. And we had to really tighten up our game and manufacture this virtual world so we could continue to produce uh, content for our clients and deliver the goods. And even during the toughest of times, you know, online retailers became bigger and needed to do more marketing. And the train didn't come to a crashing halt in the marketing world. Uh, a lot of other things did, but uh, people were still doing business. So we've had to adapt quickly and, and be able to articulate this to clients and let them know their new options. And, you know, there's also a different mindset. We're just inundated with content and data continuously. It's just mm. nuts, really, it's <laughs> nuts. What do you see transpiring like over the next, let's say five years, keep it kind of tight, as we navigate through this condition and uh, start to come out on the other side, expectations have changed, process has changed, things have changed. So where do you see this going? Social media is the driving element for content creation and it's more about a lot versus quality sometimes. And uh, the clients just wanna pump a lot of stuff out and inundate their target market with a barrage of messaging. What do you think can be done to kind of pull the reins back in, ensure that clients are still going for the quality messaging, uh, going for the good narrative. You know, you can still produce things pretty cheaply now uh, because of the digital age. It really does, mm. you know, when budgets are reduced, there's been kind of this uh, leveling where yes, you can produce something for, for less and still have high quality. And now people are also used to, you know, shooting things with their phones. We're used to not seeing super high end and being happy with the narrative versus the quality of the production. So mm. how do you think this is going to play out for you going forward as a producer when you get back into the doing that full time again and uh, and how you're going to work with your clients to help them uh, achieve the results that they want? Now, am I thinking about the client or am I thinking about <laughs> the people that are receiving it? I think, well, I guess it's both really if, you're, if it's working well. I think you can't stop the quantity and amount of content and you're always, I think most clients will probably think, you know, I mean, even even working at Vice, you know, when I was working there and just the deliverables, it was just like on every single platform, you know, and it was a nightmare as a post producer and they're just trying to reach every single, every single um, market. But I mean, there's where do I see it going? Where do I hope to see it going? I think where I, where I hope clients can really tap into and I think even myself with my own projects is understanding doing more work understanding your niche audience and understanding what they really want and that I think will inform the content and, and quantity and the, the, the quality. If you're not really understanding your audience's behaviours and actions and I know there's like a whole industry for this and part of the market research let's say, I think yeah that, that, then your challenge with just making something that's general for the you know the the mainstream audience and you're not really getting it right but I think people I mean as a as a audience member myself and I don't want to use this word consumer because I really dislike it um because my, my art is all about getting people to participate and engage with it rather than just consume but um you know we're, we're all connected by the internet so we're consuming in some way but yeah like you're looking for interesting new direct messaging that's important and personal to you. I think everyone is seeking that. And so out of the barrage of like information that's out there, people are seeking, yeah, 
personal things that connect with them. And so the, the brands and the products that I see succeeding are hitting that. And there is a universal thing that ties us all together like as, as people. And so again, the, the creative content that I consume, that I'm inspired by, I think there is a universal message. And I, and I hope that is the case for lo lots of things that we need to, as a society, unite together to bond together. And I think if clients can really listen in on that and also realize that they are part of either the social change that's going to be good for this world or otherwise they're adding to the noise and the clutter and yeah it's it's not gonna <laughs> have, have an, it's gonna have a negative impact um, about the state of the world yes corporate social responsibility that that word but I think um, I didn't really answer your question but there's I mean Am I excited? I mean, I've just rambled on, but I think the big question is, am I excited about the future? Am I, am I about content or am I not? I am excited. I am concerned. I am concerned, but I, I, I have hope. I have hope about the quality. I, I mean, I'm always hopeful. Do I get disappointed all the time? Yeah, sure I do, but I'm still hopeful. I'm still hopeful that clients, there's good people out there doing good work, creatives client, on client side, whatnot, and I think, those tribes have to stick together because there's going to be a lot more noise out there, you know, so. Well, anyway. that's the thing too. It's like, how does the cream rise when, you know, the ocean is filled with garbage? Yeah. How does anything penetrate the garbage? It can't get through the garbage. There's so much garbage. Mm. And it's like even your campaign, uh, Beside versus Behind, how many people is that really hitting? I mean, it's a fantastic project. It probably was more uh, impactful for those that were participating in its development than the, mm. the audience, the limited audience that got to see the final result. How mm. do we create projects like that that are more universal, that are getting more global I mean, because we're in this, you know, we're in, in this world now where there are no territorial boundaries. Where it's being seen, how it's being seen, yeah. getting to that larger audience, placement, all these particular aspects of getting eyes on something are even more challenging now uh, because of just the, the sheer number of things mm. that people can be looking at and people are, are, are looking at a lot of you know cats climbing up on curtains not that there's anything wrong with that i mean everybody yeah. wants to look at a good cat video once in a while yeah. but uh, that's just a, uh, a a temporary distraction it's not getting them to think about the bigger problems that uh you know some of this information is trying to address and and bring to light and uh it's pretty tough to change people's minds right now we've really become over entrenched in competition and mm. opinion and uh, stories, other people's stories. Uh, mm. it's, it's really tough, but you are a, you're a fighter in the sense that you're not willing to stop and not have your voice and not assist others in, in having that voice and their ability to create content that moves people, that makes people think about things. Which brings me to my last question. If you could not do any of the things that you're doing now, what would you do? You couldn't do any of them, not your podcast, not the producing, nothing. Uh, you have to start over again from something else. You have to do something else. What would you want to do with your life? Do what you're doing, Mark. <laughs> Talking to creatives all around the world. Um, that's pretty cool job. Gosh, yeah, it's so funny. What else, what, what else would I be doing? I don't know. This is a good question. I've been asked this question for a very long time and I'm a bit stumped. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I just, I just be, I'm, I'm just out in the world, like creating community. That's just all I do. That's actually literally all I do in whatever form. It doesn't have to be creative. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 um, I mean, I'm running a neighborhood party, like, you know, um, a few weeks time organizing that getting all the musicians and DJs together in my neighborhood and organizing that so I think in whatever thing that I'm doing I'm just bringing people together that's just my thing it doesn't have to be media it doesn't have to be producing it can be anything but whatever it is I just love bringing people together I just my mom says I'm just I'm just a natural party socialite person if if she's like if all you could do is talk to people every day of your life and get paid for it she's like you'd be in a dream that's what she said to me from a very young age and I was like yeah, 
pretty much. Well, you know, that's so. the description of a perfect politician if they weren't a politician. <laughs> yes. No, that's, yeah. I mean, if that's the ideology is, oh my God, you love people and yeah. you want to facilitate supporting them at their fundamental basic needs and bring them together, which yeah. is the antithesis of what that <laughs> has turned out to be, of course. <laughs> yeah, imagine, imagine if I went for politics. Oh God. Um, well, that's what I'm talking about. When I say if you could do <laughs> something else completely, I mean, it could be a, a total fantasy, of course. You know, like Plato said, Whoever's going to be the president of any country does not want that job. They are forced to take that job because they're the most qualified and uh, they've been trained properly and have the correct temperament. Nobody who wants any of these leadership jobs should be in these jobs. Someone like yeah. you who would not want no, not to be impositioned with the burden of such responsibility would yeah. do an incredible job, of course, because that's just the very nature of you without applying this whole ridiculous mass leadership role to it. But I, I would want you as the person that I would look up to and and say, yeah, let's yeah. do that. Let's champion like each other and people and make art and have fun yeah. and communicate yeah. and love and all those good things. Yeah, totally. Having fun in some sort of fun role, that's definitely my thing. Um, I did want to be a clown doctor um, for a very long time. Say that some... one more time. You wanted to be a what? A clown doctor. Well, a clown doctor, a clown a, in the clowning industry, clown artist. I actually you mean have like Patch paint. Adams, like the movie with Robin Williams? Is that what you're talking about? Putting yeah. on the red nose and making little children laugh and, and everybody want to just have a good time? Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily the red nose, but in some form, shape or form, just bringing yeah. joy, um, having fun. You know, get get people to loosen up a little, you know? Everyone's just so serious all the time. The world is so serious for a reason, but just also adulting, just getting, you know, get, being an adult. I'm like, everyone's so serious all the time, why? They lost their being a kid. Yeah. Because life became serious, like you just yeah. said. Yeah. Children are not judging each other. I high five every kid, say <laughs> sin chow every day, all day. It's so fun. And they know that I'm one of them. So yeah. there's this instant camaraderie. And I do find that uh, as a common thing here in Vietnam, that, you know, it's a very sweet culture and people are very genuinely graceful and, and kind. And uh, they haven't lost that childlike nature. And I'm not talking about childish, childlike even though I, some would say that I'm childish, but um, <laughs> that's fine too. No, that's fine, that's all part of the package. But I do think the, the whole idea of being a clown is to strip away yeah. all this perception of importance and paying attention to yourself and really paying attention to other people and yeah. being really selfless. A clown is selfless, not selfish. So I, I appreciate that mindset and that uh, even just the whole concept around yeah. entertaining others. We all love entertainment, whether we uh, engage in it or not, it's there. So yeah, that's probably what I would do. I yeah. think that's very cool. <laughs> Liv, it's been super fun chatting with you and uh, I really appreciate the fact that uh, you were candid about your experiences and to continually empower others to explore their own creativity and bring new happiness to themselves. Thanks, Mark. If you enjoyed the Pure Now show, you can check out more episodes at balancestudio.tv or anywhere fine podcasts are broadcast. Pure Now is produced and engineered by Hai Ha Dang and directed by Dong Wun Guan. Thanks so much for watching.